I am the Dirty Dog Darcy. This is Ghost to Ghost AM 2021 here in the KNSI studios in the beautiful St. Cloud, Minnesota on the banks of the mighty Mississippi. I am in the KNSI radio studios AM 1450 or on the FM dial 99.3 streaming worldwide. On KNSIRadio.com I am back with a caller On the wildcard line Hello caller I'm listening Yeah baby This is Dusty and Bradington baby Dusty How's it, go? How's it going dirty dog Things are good Dusty Do you have a spooky story For us yeah, this let year me, Let me tell you something baby So I was down with my man dog Stamets down in the in the car lot, and I just I see that car shaking, and I go up and I look in, and I see, and you know what? I don't see nothing, baby. It's just nothing. A shaking. Yeah, I think I I don't I don't know if I see a ghost in in dog Stamets in the lot or what, but I just I I done ripped torn out of there. So I'm just calling to you. What am I do? What am I seeing? I'm seeing it's a ghost, baby. What is, um, this is a hard time for Dusty down here. Hello, I'm Nancy Glass. Welcome to Inside Edition. Bill O'Reilly is on assignment. Do you believe in werewolves? If you ask that question in a small town in Wisconsin, don't be surprised if the answer is yes. Something strange is going on up there, and we'll tell you about it a little later on. But first, We've been investigating dangers at shopping malls across the country. It turns out that random acts of violence are becoming more common at malls. Johnson Woods, is it a werewolf? Hey, back! That thing, that was no dog. That was too big to be a dog. That thing was bigger than me. There is something going on in the woods of Wisconsin. It isn't Bigfoot, but it is a mysterious beast. And enough people have seen it to know it exists. But what is it? We asked Joe Lloyd to find out. I told my mom I thought I saw a werewolf. And my mom believed me. It was walking along a good probably seven to ten seconds before it had turned its head. That thing, that was no dog. That was too big to be a dog. That thing was bigger than me. That thing was stalking cornfields, jumping on cars, and feasting on roadkill. For two years, people in Elkhorn, Wisconsin, whispered about a king-sized creature who roamed Bray Road. It had really big claws. It was holding its roadkill like it had elbows. And it was kneeling on two knees, like a human being might do. Eerie stories like that prompted Linda Godfrey, a reporter and cartoonist, to investigate. It was all just too bizarre not to be for real. When you live in a small town and you say you've seen something that looks like a dog man or a wolf man, you know, you're going to get some ridicule, and they did. So they had no reason to say this. Despite the ridicule, beast believers came forward in Godfrey's Beast of Bray Road article, like Doris Gibson, who'd seen it on Halloween night, 1991. Driving down Bray Road, she had gotten out of her car when she thought she had hit an animal. It was foggy out, and I was a little bit afraid. 
and this big thing come just like trucking, you know, just trucking down the road at me, man. I looked at it and I'm like, ah, and I ran, I got back in the car, you know, and before I peeled off, that thing scratched the back of the car. Tom Brichta's car was also scratched by the creature from Bray Road. My adrenaline started pumping. Um, I was scared. But this is a creature that likes to cross county lines. Tom saw it twice on Route 106. We were having a good time and stuff. We were singing to the oldies and uh, jamming out and stuff. And then all of a sudden I, I noticed this on the side of the road. He was big and I, he looked intimidating. I, I was scared of his appearance. Back on Bray Road, Lori Andreezy remembers her close encounter with the creature in 1990. I saw it kneeling on the side of the road, and it was eating something. And I came up from behind it, and I slowed down because I thought it was a person at first. So I came up from behind it, and I realized it wasn't a person when I saw its pointy ears. From those descriptions, Linda drew up this composite picture of the beast. All agreed it was very big, with pointy ears and broad-chested with a shaggy coat, streaked with silver, gray, or black. It had brought its right hand up, stopped, looked over by the car, real nonchalant, and made eye contact with both Scott and I, and gave like this, this sneer, like it was challenging us. Like, you know, what are you gonna do about it? You know, I'm here, you're there. I'm bigger than you are, you can't do anything about it. But with all the sightings, no one knew if it was man, beast, or even a combination of the two. One person simply called it God's mistake. I would assume that what they saw was some sort of an animal, probably dog-like in nature, either a, a, a loose dog or a coyote. I just said, it's a big animal, and it's upset really upset if werewolves do exist this is probably a werewolf hey what are you doing once the w word was spoken werewolf mania broke out in elkhorn t-shirts were gobbled up and personal capture permits were issued courtesy of hairy face even the local bakery made beast of bray road cookies touting them as werewolf cookies that will make you howl Letters came pouring in. One in particular sent chills down Linda's spine. He said it was too large to be a wolf. It had a terribly unkempt look to its fur. Wild, not normal. Elaine Bushman was describing what her husband Robert had witnessed in 1991. The Bushmans live in St. Nazian and were just passing through town when Robert spied the creature. They knew nothing of the beastly tales that haunted Elkhorn. I've never seen anything that... Uh would be dirty enough and for some reason or other scary enough to make you feel the hair lift up on your arms, you know? So, is it a dog, coyote, or werewolf? Believe what you will, but just remember, it's here, just waiting. While no formal reports were made to the Elkhorn Police, the department did get some teasing from other police departments in the state giving them a hard time about being the home of the werewolf. Coming up as Inside Edition continues, we'll go behind the scenes on the Jackie Thomas Show. And next, it has happened again, a controversy over a young model and her Calvins. So welcome to this Halloween 2021 special to discuss all things spooky. Since I've had a lot of 
people ask me throughout this last year, Dog, will you do another Halloween special? The answer is, oh, yes. I couldn't help but bring on two of my best friends to help me discuss some spooky things from What Maneuver and on the stick.com and a very often guest of Russ with a Dog at flitterflop.com, Eric Allen and Joe Drillian. Guys, welcome to this year's Halloween special. Ooh. I, Ah. <laughs> gotcha. Nailed it. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to be here. Uh, last year, I think uh, we talked a little bit about just sort of the general appeal of horror, if I remember correctly, and why I personally am uh, drawn to, to horror. I think that was what we talked about last year. Am I remembering that right, Doug? That is correct. And this year, I guess I'm turning the tables and folklore like we're here to discuss is what gets me into horror and that is the beast of Bray Road which is also known as Bray Road Beast or the Wisconsin Werewolf which is a purported humanoid wolf-like creature allegedly witnessed in or around the rural community of Elkhorn, Wisconsin before we get into that, Elkhorn is, in the, to my knowledge, from Minnesota, is in the suburbs of Joe's hometown of Milwaukee. Am I correct, Joe? I don't I mean, it's more like exurbs, I think, is probably what you'd call it. It's like Walworth County is like Walworth County kind of barely touches Milwaukee counter County, like on the corner, I think Um, it's basically like if you drive West of Milwaukee for about 30 to 40 minutes, then you, then you end up in Elkhorn. The only thing I really know about Elkhorn is I used to go there. My grandpa and I used to go, there's a, there's a uh, car show there. Every year, and my grandpa and I used to go to the car show there. It's a big, big, big car show, not just like you know. Um, and that that's really the, the extent of my knowledge of uh, Elkhorn. And then as a kid, I used to confuse Elkhorn and Elkhart because they're not that far from each other. I dated Elkhart, a girl from Elkhart. Indiana, where I had diarrhea in the Target after eating a poison <laughs> muffin from a Panera's bread in Ohio on my way muffin. to Joe's wedding. You see yeah. how this all ties together. That's right. Yes. Put the, exactly. put the red yarn on the board. Yep. Um, diarrhea, Joe <laughs> <laughs> married beast of Bray right. road, Elkhorn, Wisconsin. Right. It's all, it's all tied together, man. They're all tied together. Yeah. May I say that's the shits? <laughs> literally, literally, it literally lost, was so bad. I lost my cell phone in the bathroom of that Target. Then to buy another, wash it down. <laughs> I, I don't know what happened to that thing, man. That's a haunted bathroom now. It's haunted. <laughs> People right. tell tales of that. That that <laughs> stall in the Target in Elkhorn, Indiana. Um. Anyway, I thought you said it was Elkhart, Indiana. El, El, yeah, Elkhart. Sorry, not Elkhorn. It's different, obviously. Yeah. Yep. So, before we go more into the idea, the theory, the folklore of the Beast of Bray Road, I want to get your both your guys' thoughts on werewolves, because 
I guess as a fellow dog man, we are in the same folklore wrinkle per se. But I, I do want to get your guys' thoughts on werewolves, not in not the sparkly kind or. No, those are vampires you know, that sparkle, not. Uh, I think the like, werewolves are just kind of like real sexy. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, that sounds right. Just like um, right said Fred. Exactly. Yes. Until he became too sexy for his gym membership fee. <laughs> <laughs> well, now he's like too sexy for vaccines, I think. Right. So that's, he's gotten, oh, he's no. gotten super. Yeah, he's gotten real. Well, weird. That, the thing I said was a reference to well, I think it was a Saturday Life skit. I don't know. Anyways, we're, for some reason, right said Fred Conan O'Brien as like a dumpy right said Fred shows up in court for some reason. <laughs> I have no memory of that. <laughs> and the judge says something about how he's not looking too good. And he goes, at some point, I became too sexy for my gym membership fee. I don't know. <laughs> um, I mean, werewolves are I, I I so one, I will say this, that the, you know, a good werewolf transformation sequence in a horror movie is a, truly a sight to behold. Um. You know, kind of the one that everybody points to is the one in uh, American Werewolf in London, which is a really good transformation sequence. The Howling, released the same year, also has a very good transformation sequence. Yep. The advent of CGI has sort of robbed us of really good werewolf transformations, though, I think, which is kind of a bummer. But in terms of, you know, I, I mean, I've said this before when we've talked about these, you know, we did Coast to Coast AM stuff. Last year we talked about kind of horror in general. And, like, I I don't believe in any of this stuff in terms of, like, is it real? Is it not? Is the Beast of Bray Road a real thing? No, it's not. Um, it well, doesn't I mean, exist. maybe. Maybe it's like a big dog or something. Well, right. Oh, yes, it could be a big dog. Or I guess a bear with mange is one of the uh, <laughs> is one of the potential theories that it is a mangy uh, a mangy bear. Which, I've seen I mean, raccoons with mange, and that's it's pretty disturbing. I've seen dogs with we 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 fostered a dog with mange. In fact, we fostered a Great Pyrenees with mange, and uh, the idea that this could be a mangy Great Pyrenees, uh, <laughs> not not totally out of the out of the realm of possibility. In the dark, those are big dogs, and they look weird and gross. and And I felt so bad for that dog. She's okay. She got adopted here in Nashville, and she's better now. But man, when we had her, it's just as it turns cool. out, the the Beast of Bray Road is just my history teacher from 11th grade. <laughs> he was also the track and field coach and would wear his short shorts and tank top oh, sometimes. Oh. And yeah, it was, it was pretty horrifying. Yeah. But I was confused this with, uh, what was Nathan Jones was the Colossus of Bago road when they brought him into <laughs> WWE. So that's, I keep being like, what? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's like, like this is just the description on Wikipedia tells you immediately how bullshit this is, right? Because the beast of Bray road is most often described is most often described by alleged witnesses uh-huh. as large between six feet and seven feet with a humanoid style body covered in fur or hair with a head resembling a wolf or a bear. And is purported to see have being have bleh, is purported to have been seen moving as a quadruped or a biped, and some reports <laughs> detail it looking like a werewolf or a Bigfoot. So like, it's a hairy uh, thing. Well, hold, it's basically hold, hold all up, I get out up, of that. Like up, it's a up, big hairy up. thing. I have a proposal. 
Uh-huh. Is Bigfoot a werewolf? Is it's that why it's so hard to find? Could be. Yeah. Could be. Makes sense. Didn't think of that, did you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, this creature was first allegedly sighted in 1936, and there have been sightings reported as recently as this year. So it's a very old werewolf, uh, if, if it is... <laughs> I mean, it's just it's like all of this you know, cryptids, cryptozoology, and 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 I think the value of folklore because that's kind of what you were leading led off with here, Doug. I think there's a great deal of value in folklore and what it tells us about um, people. Uh, uh, I have a friend. How people interpret the ro- world around them. World around them. Yeah, I have a friend named uh, goes by Smoke Monster online, and he's you know he's the. the Eric and I know him because he's a does a lot of video game stuff. But it actually strange, turns out he's a werewolf uh, Bigfoot. Turns out he's a werewolf Bigfoot. But by by his education is in archaeology and anthropology, and you know the the value of this sort of from an anthropological standpoint of the stories we tell each other, the stories we tell ourselves, the things that we believe um, when we don't know the answers to things about life. It says a lot about, you know, a society, about a a culture. Um, And that stuff is really interesting to me. The idea that there is a real Bigfoot werewolf wandering around Elkhorn, Wisconsin, is not especially interesting to me because there definitely isn't. Um, and we've talked before about, you know, other Wisconsin, uh, legends and, uh, the big one when I was a kid was Haunchyville, which I think we talked about a couple of years ago when we did the coast to coast AM stuff, um, which was this, apparently it is a real place, but the stories about it in terms of it's entirely populated by little people, except for one giant albino dude who like, will rip your head off if you go there and try to mess with the little people who live there. Like that's all total bullshit or whatever, you know, but it's just like, those were the stories that as a little kid, you just just like, Oh, what, like what? There's Haunchyville. It's this town. And it's like, it's like they're cloistered and they have this giant albino who defends them all. It's like, you know, it's just, it's, stories to scare little kids or stories to get someone to behave a certain way or stories to keep someone away from a place or whatever. And then of course there's the great Wisconsin cryptid known as the Hodag, um, which now is, is, has the Hodag has been adopted as the mascot of the, uh, Minocqua high school, I believe. (laughs) And they're the, they're the Minocqua Hodags. An all time great sentence. Yeah, and there's a big statue outside their chamber of commerce or their town hall or whatever up there up north that's of the hodag. But that was that's another one of those things. What I think is honestly most fascinating about a lot of these, and this hasn't happened with the Bray Road Beast or the Beast of Bray Road yet, but a lot of them, the people who initially saw them or discovered them, come out later and say that it's a bullshit story and that they made it up, but then other people just keep going with it, right? Like it's like. The, no, the see, the was, government and the the people in the dark web paid that person to say it, that it, they yeah, made it up. Yeah, but sure. really, the real truth is out there. You right. know? Yes, the truth is out there. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, um, I don't. The hodag. Think- the, ho- the guy who the guy who first said he saw a hodag, and then like taxidermied a hodag to say, like, look at this weird monster that I found and killed. Like he before he died, he was like, yeah, I. I I cobbled that together from parts of other animals. It was a bullshit story. Right. But even for decades after that, people were like, no, man, I was up, no, I was up north there and I was on a hunting trip and I saw an <laughs> Odag. 
Um, so first of all, the Mothman is real. Uh, but also, yeah, I mean, everything Joe said is, so I don't know if you guys spend a lot of time alone out in the woods, like camping, like, like, you know, deep in, deep in wilderness, um, you know, where there is, there is no, no, right. No artificial light, no car noises, no nothing. But like this stuff, it all makes total sense. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in that context, like it's it's like all these things like y- you can see your because your brain is always trying to make connections between things. And so it's like you hear a weird noise and then you like the way that the sun is like filtering through these leaves or the, the moonlight is like bouncing off of this rock or whatever. And it's like, oh, that that looks like a whatever the fuck. And so like there was one time where I was camping and there was just like this like super loud scraping noise then i couldn't figure out what it was and i'm pretty sure it was just like a weevil or something like boring a hole in a tree but it was because it was so quiet it sounded like someone was like out like you know it it was like being in a horror movie or something because of this loud scraping noise that this tiny insect was making in the middle of the night um and so you know i'm a i'm a i'm a modern man and I could figure out what that was and I was, I'm pretty sure I was right, but it's, you know, it's easy to, uh, to see why people would make up crazy shit about what was out in the woods or whatever. Cause um, I, as far as specifically, as far as werewolves go, um, I think it's just ha- hairy people and <laughs> people don't want them around. Particularly hairy gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, I, Stuff like this, I guess also the Beast of Bray Road interests me because I don't remember which college or which Wisconsin town other than on you know around Milwaukee, small community college, but one of my cousins for a year went to a community college by Milwaukee, that area of Wisconsin, and one of my aunts If it was a community college it was MATC, because that's just about the only one. So I again this I don't recall and I'm sure that's why I wanted you guys on because my aunt said one of the times she was on I think I ninety going towards that end of the state she looked out and swore she saw something running in the ditch an I ninety looked like a werewolf or something a wolf a dog something spooky along the car with her and that scared her enough of not wanting to go on I-94 or I-90 which I think comes together in El Claire which is more Minnesota side of Wisconsin right. but yeah. stuff like that kind of, I guess knowing hearing my aunt discuss that interaction not fully knowing what it was in the middle of the night in on a freeway on the interstate in the middle of Wisconsin at night and hearing about the Beast of Bray Road always interests me because it always seems like in the middle of the night when it started to fall, going to fall into the winter, when there's a chill in the air, it always like our human mind goes through something spooky like what Eric was saying with his encounter in the woods 
when we're not <laughs> well, used to something, yes. yeah. it just is, is it mind goes. An emerald ash borer in the, <laughs> in the woods. Yeah, I mean that's absolutely a normal thing to happen. But I think there's a difference between, and I'm not. This is not me intending to throw shade at your aunt or anything like that. But I think you, when you get to a place where your rational mind has taken control again, you go like Eric said, you know, like, oh, well, it's probably some sort of boring beetle or or weevil or something that lives in the woods that is making that sound. But when it's that quiet, it sounds loud and you think your your imagination runs away with you. Um, you know, the, the closest I come to that. So I, I've never been camping alone. I mean, I don't really like camping with other people. I really wouldn't want to do it alone. That's just not my vibe. I like as Eric knows, because he's gone with me, I like going on hikes that last long enough for me to go back to my home or my hotel and sleep in my own bed when the day is over. Um, hiking for longer than that just doesn't appeal to me. But, um, you know, I've like I, I was I was cast in a horror movie that shot in northern Wisconsin, way up north by past past where the Hodag lives, you know, way, way up north by the up by the <laughs> UP up there um, in Vilas County. And. Um, as I was driving up there, um, it's about a four to five hour drive from Milwaukee. I drove by myself to meet the rest of the cast and do my couple of shooting days and then drive back. And, uh, I had to piss like a racehorse. And once you get way up there, like there's nothing It's two lane highways, no street lights, no gas stations for miles, that kind of thing. So finally I was just like, I'm just going to pull over and take a piss on the side of the road. And, when you get out of the car there and it's late at night and you're in the middle of the North woods and you like, you can see as far as your headlights go in one direction and as far as your taillights go in the other direction. And beyond that you're, it's like staring into the void and it's just like, I'm just like, I am going to piss as fast as I have ever taken a piss in my life and get back in the car and get the hell out of here because I have no idea. Right. I have no idea what's out there. And of course, you know, the next day, when you drive back on the, and it's light out or whatever, it's like, there's not, obviously there's nothing here. Obviously that's just, but your, your stupid, you know, lizard brain that's, that's been keyed for survival for so long. When you did live in the woods and there might have been a jaguar or a wolf or something out there actually trying to kill you. Yeah. I mean, and there very well could have been bear. I mean, there are bears in those woods up north. Those those bears don't want nothing to do with you though. I would say those bears don't (laughs) want to fuck with me. So, but they're up there, right? And there are wolves and coyotes and whatever else. But, you know, you just, when you, when you come back from that and you sort of realize like, oh, that's just my brain doing what it does. And if you hear a twig snap or leaves shuffle or whatever, it was probably a squirrel or a, you know, whatever. But that's just how your brain sort of works. And again, I think it's really interesting the stories that we tell ourselves and each other to explain those things um especially you know i mean like um last year was it last year two years ago they made the they finally made a movie based on scary stories to tell in the dark which the movie structure doesn't really work for me but those books are collected folklore right and they're super they're still i think popular and still challenged in some places because the artwork is fucking terrifying but a lot of those are folk tales and urban legends and and that kind of thing. And that's a lot of what that those books are. And I think they still resonate with people, with kids today, aside from because the art is just totally bitching in those books. But because those stories have a sort of timelessness and a sort of, 
you know, like some of the stories in those books are supernatural. Something supernatural happened. A, a ghost shows up. There's a monster that the kid pulls off the toe of a monster in the garden and the monster comes to get him, get revenge. But a lot of them are like the one that still sticks with me to this day in a lot of ways, which is an old, old, old urban legend um, that maybe has happened to someone at some point, but probably not, is the the story of the, the girls driving and the driver behind her keeps putting on his high beams and it's like really freaking her out. And he keeps flashing his brights, flashing his brights. And she gets to her house and like, runs out of the car and as she does the guy pulls up behind her and like there was a you know a murderer in her back seat and every time he started to like like he was going to get her the dude behind her would put on his high beam so he would have to duck back down so she wouldn't see him in the rearview mirror and like you know there's nothing supernatural about that story of that piece of folklore or urban legend or whatever you want to call it but those things are you know, they get inside your head in a way and they and it tells it's you know the dangers of like if you're a young woman alone like is that why i'm afraid of someone being hiding in the back of my car and killing me all the time probably probably i don't even, I don't even remember that story but i've that's an irrational fear i've had my entire life probably from reading that from reading that in the scary stories to tell in the yeah. dark when you were like eight years old or whatever nine years old um but then there's a there's a bunch of there's the classic you know the calls coming from inside the house which has been done to death in a bunch of movies um you know, from from when a stranger calls to scream to, you know, beyond that, you know, but that's in in, in one of those books as well. And, you know, um, again, the, this, the, the stories and the monsters that we come up with and that kind of stuff is just and also looking at that stuff from different cultures, I've always found really interesting. Like there's a I think it's Malaysian uh, sort of variation on the vampire myth where. It, it's it only happens to young women i think they're all universally young women but like it's not the whole like at night the woman's head comes off with all of her like internal organs attached to her neck stump and flies around and drinks blood and that's like a very specific type of you know uh monster that's specific to that culture and like we view it as super weird, right? Like that's a super weird monster, but it's this part of this culture and part of this folklore, um, you know, that says things about whatever a young woman's purity or whatever. A lot of the, that's kind of the, the bad thing about a lot of folklore is it's about like chastity and purity. And a lot of it has shitty things to say about how certain cultures viewed women at different times. But I mean, that's also important to understand those things so that we don't, continue to make mistakes or continue to yeah. view things as a society in, in that way. So, you know, again, that's what I think folklore tells us and what I think is interesting about it for, for me. And I do want to, I guess, tie it back in with the Beast of Bray Road in that it always seemed like stories like that are always told to keep people, kids, out of the forest, out of the woods, out of going all off from their families, parents, etc., and wandering the woods alone, trying to scare them, I guess like what you guys were saying, to not encourage them to run off the families to investigate the woods. Is it more on, I guess, trying to maybe keep people from Bray Road in Elkhorn, Wisconsin, or my aunt trying to encourage 
me not to go to a community college in Wisconsin <laughs> or whatever else could be ways to encourage others to stay within the community, stay within city limits per se. Yeah, I mean, I don't know enough about the geography specifically of uh, of Elkhorn to know if Bray Road in particular is someplace that you would want to keep people away from or would have in, you know, the 30s or whatever the thing was first reported. Um, but, I mean, you know, yes, that's definitely possible that that was, you know, um that that was the the reasoning um behind it was you know there's something yep. on bray road that we want to keep kids away from or or bray road is just busy and there's a bad dark intersection and kid might get hit by a car so right. we'll tell or some the guy story. just was like somebody somebody killed somebody else or some drunk guy thought he saw something or whatever right there's a million different also looking at where bray road is these days on google maps looks like it's there, there ain't much forest left for the beast to hide in these days. It's all cornfields, it looks like. So yeah, that sounds about right. Tough break for the beast. You know what's really scary? Uh, yeah. the destruction of natural environments. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. There's there's actually global right, warming, et cetera. Right et cetera. around here, the state is about to like get rid of a bunch of old growth forest to make uh, like a quail preserve because the quail population is low. And I'm just kind of like I guess I understand you wanting to save this bird that's endangered or whatever, but maybe don't destroy a bunch of old growth forest where other things live to do that. Maybe. I don't know. Call me crazy. But yeah, I mean, that's right. The real monster is us. They're going to they're gonna make it. What is it like? I don't, what do quails live in a, I don't like a grassland. Yeah. Let me, let me look at the, anyway, this is, this is a podcast about quails. Um, yeah. So anyways, I, I watched the, uh, the inside edition report that you sent to us, Eric. And, you know, I, I don't know. I always have a good time with this kind of nonsense, but it's just nonsense. Right. Um, it was, it was really exciting to see Nancy glass again. Cause it was someone that I had not thought about probably in like 25 years, but was definitely, someone who'd popped up on the TV, like after the Simpsons reruns before dinner time, after I got home from school in the early nineties. Um, actually probably wasn't even the Simpsons back then. It was probably like mash reruns or something like that or night court. But, <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, locally, I don't know that we have any like local, legends about creatures or anything but there is an old what about the rochester roadblock Does he still haunt the, uh... <laughs> yeah he still haunts the the 490 between east avenue and uh <laughs> and the 390 uh intersection there or whatever um uh, let's see well i mean cropsy is a new york thing right is it? Uh, not not your neck of the woods i suppose but um yeah the legend of cropsy is like a new york what well, that's like new york city adjacent like in the suburbs of the long island is <laughs> cropsy. yeah we do have we do have the rolling hills asylum which is in genesee county which is like served many purposes over many over like i don't know a couple of like 150 years or whatever but was a mental institution like back when right. 
back back in the bad old days of mental institutions and is now owned by like a it's like family owned and they do like haunted ghost tours in there but there um so uh apparently champ what what, what about what do you know about champ eric uh, literally nothing uh, apparently champ is a Loch Ness monster esque creature that lives in Lake Champlain. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. Yes, I do. I am familiar with that. And then, uh, okay. Bigfoot, obviously. And then apparently, isn't there something in Lake Erie also? Probably. Um, but Rochester has the white lady, okay. uh, a woman in the 19th century lost her daughter on the shores of Lake Ontario. She spent the rest of her life looking for her and continued to haunt the lake after her death where she is said to appear as a white apparition. A whole lake, huh? The whole lake. That's a big lake. Yeah. <laughs> you you and Mike can share that one. <laughs> can share that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, the White Lady might be one of the best-known ghost stories in upstate New York, but it's far from the only one. one of the uh, apparently ones. the Sagamore Hotel, there's a ghost of a little boy who used to sell golf balls until he was hit by a car. <laughs> Or is that that's like, in Bolton Land, Bolton Landing. Yeah, Lake George. Is. Yep, that's Lake George. Yeah, and then uh, again, that's, the these are local. These are like several hours in a car away from me. But uh, Syracuse, the landmark theater in Syracuse, is said to be haunted <laughs> by a woman who fell from the balcony. Uh, no beasts uh, there, though, huh? And, so it's not really relevant. No beasts. And apparently, the Rolling Hills—is that what you were just talking about? The yeah, Rolling, Rolling Hills Asylum. Asylum. Yeah, yeah, patients who died at the facility are said to still roam the halls. Ooh, spooky. Um, and then apparently Georgie is a lives in Lake George and is also a another Loch Ness monster. monster. Yeah. Um. There's a legendary two-headed trout named Sue that lives in Junction <laughs> Pool, where okay. Beaverkill River and Willamette Creek converge in Roscoe. Is that in the Catskills? I don't know. I thought you would know. I don't know where Roscoe, New York is. So I think that might be in the Catskills. Uh, the most recent sighting of this two-headed trout was in 2000, where a man said he hooked the fish, but it got away. Oh, darn. Um, it is in the Catskills, so I think I've probably been through there before. There Any, is, anyways. There's a weird-looking like dodo bird type thing <laughs> that apparently... <laughs> allegedly a a professor at cornell university uh Uh came up with this particular hoax and it it lives allegedly in in, in yeah well cornell is yeah that's i mean cornell is like the big bird institute that's where big bird went to to school (laughs) right and of course sleepy hollow is in new that's near new york city right closer to near where sleepy hollow was is Uh, was i've been there but yeah, the Cornell Lab of Ornithology is like one of the biggest. It's like a huge museum and birding area. Anyways, Cay- Cayuga Lake also has a Loch Ness monster of its own. Sure, I listen. There's a lot of <laughs> look, look. There's a lot of lakes in New York. Uh, there's like the Finger Lakes, and there's a ton of lakes in the Adirondacks and stuff. There's probably a, a Loch Ness monster in all of them. I would guess. Oh, there was uh, there was the Cardiff Giant. Uh, <laughs> where that is either a 10 foot man uh unearthed just south of syracuse in the 19th century the body of a <laughs> man named the cardiff giant turned out to be an elaborate hoax 
I bet of every course. once in a while the Jersey Devil crosses the border. Also, <laughs> oh yeah, bro- yeah, <laughs> probably. Visit, you know, yeah, probably. Yeah, that's that's another one. There's actually did I? Have, I feel like I might have mentioned this last time or one of the recent times we've been together. But there was a there's a movie called uh, The Last Broadcast, which is a pre Blair Witch found footage horror movie that is about the Jersey Devil, and okay. it's pretty good actually. The ending kind of runs off a cliff in a way that I don't love, but it it. Like literally cliff? No. Does not literally run off a cliff. It metaphorically runs off a cliff. So but yeah. Well anyways. I don't know. It, it again Well, I hope next time you visit your family you aren't attacked and killed by the Beast of Bray Road because I don't really ever visit Elkhorn, uh, Elkhorn, so I'm not too worried about Maybe it. Maybe he's moved north since then. And east or whatever. Northeast, yeah. Maybe he has possible all i have to say is joe look over your shoulder <laughs> oh no yeah. this is the last time joe will appear in one of these podcasts well, now i'm in tennessee so if the beast of bray road came to get me all the way down to nashville i don't you know i mean he I tied know. himself to the bottom of your car like in uh <laughs> like in cape fear in cape fear yeah i don't know if there i don't know i have not heard of any any <laughs> you know uh, cryptids that are local to where I live now, but I'm sure that they exist. Wait, don't you hear that banjo in the background? <laughs> Those aren't cryptids, but oh, okay, close. <laughs> Is there a lake nearby? Because there's probably a lake. Yeah, Loch Ness there's probably a Loch Ness monster in, it. in there. Yeah. Yeah. Probably one lives in the uh, in the river here. Um, but uh, what? <laughs> yes. That's uh-huh. fallen on hard times. The Loch Ness monster <laughs> lives in a van down by the river. Um, yeah, I, don't, I, I mean, I'm sure there's stuff like that, but it's, you know, I mean, again, I just don't give a lot of credence to that stuff. And there's people who take it. I think there's a lot of people who think it's funny to talk about, you know, cryptids, and they go on hikes and say they're going squatching or whatever, and they're just kind of having fun with it. And there's weirdos who are like super into it and believe that all of these things are real. And uh, I mean, I don't know, man. There are there are big enough real problems in the world, I feel, that trying to solve the imaginary problem of Bigfoot is probably not a great use of your time. But, you know, that's just my opinion. Yeah, you should be on a professional wrestling podcast sometimes. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, anyways. With, with that, for whatever reason... <laughs> That you don't hear the three of us on that <laughs> wrestling podcast. How can the <laughs> listeners of this Halloween special follow you guys and check out everything you guys do on Wednesday nights? Well, you have Six, to eight, turn a number. You have to find a, one of those Russian numbers stations, and then <laughs> we those take are creepy. over. Those were creepy as hell. We take, yeah, we take those over every Wednesday night from about ten o'clock to about eleven thirty. So. So yeah, tune late, in yeah, during, during and then October. The rest of the time, Wednesdays. it's just a lady repeating numbers in a weird accent and yep. static. So it's, yep. it's, it's a good station. I highly recommend it. I really recommend it. Yeah. But during October, it's every night during the rest of the year, it's Wednesday nights. And then whenever we feel like it in addition, but yeah, come hang out with us. On the stick.com. I don't on think the we stick. actually I thought we did say it, but maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. But yes. Anyways, on the thanks, Eric. Thank you, Eric Allen. And Joel Drillian, for your time, your love, 
and your tenderness in joining us for this year's Halloween Spectacular, this year's Halloween Special. Something that I always enjoy and had on for last year's Halloween special was my call with the one and the only Miss Heather Wade in her talk show, The Kingdom of Nye, at thekingdomofnye.com. And last year for Halloween, she did The Hauntings. Of nigh. And I had the honor to be able to get through and share a spooky story. A spooky family story, one can say, about the family property that my grandparents, Grandpa and Grandma Sylvester, owned in East Bethel, Minnesota. And here is my conversation from my end with the one and the only Miss Heather Wade on the Hauntings of Nye, last year's Halloween special that she put on at thekingdomofnye.com. Monkeys that produced this Halloween special play that clip. You can just picture it, can't you? The tire swing swinging by itself for a good half an hour. There's no wind. There's nothing out there under the full moon on Halloween night. Very spooky. Very, very delightfully, deliciously spooky. I love it. Absolutely love it. (laughs) Oh, gosh. You know, sometimes... Sometimes, and I and I wonder if maybe that isn't why you know art uh, art uh, put me in this chair. Sometimes I have this um, wicked thought that I would like to just grab one random listener and put them in this chair for a night, put the headset on their head, and go, okay, there you go, host the show, and just see uh, what they uh, what they go through trying to do it. It'd just be amusing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Goodness, where are we here? Let's go to North American Skype. And you're on the air. Happy Halloween. Welcome to the show. This is Dr. Fraser Crane. Hello, caller. I'm listening. Oh, no, we're in trouble now. <laughs> I just saw be funny and do that introduction with what you just said on the air. <laughs> oh yeah yeah well i mean i'm 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 looking at your skype here and your name actually looks awful familiar to me is this who i think it is this is the dirty dog from somewhere in the middle of minnesota ah that's who it is okay i was i was wrong i was wrong but i'm so happy to have you on because again i can hear the enthusiasm in your voice you sound like someone who really enjoys halloween probably as much as i do in words of our favorite manager from the wwf oh yes 
sounds like uh, Paul Bear kind of. He had that high pitched voice. <laughs> I try to do my best Paul Bear impression whenever I can. That's right. You you are a big fan of of the wrestling, aren't you? Yes, ma'am. I am. Yeah, I remember. I remember last time. Now it's starting to come back to my addled, sleep-deprived mind here tonight. Uh, last time you called, I think we had quite a little extensive conversation about our favorite wrestlers and all of that good stuff. Well, very, very cool. Very cool. I feel a little weird, you know, if I uh, if it's a if it's a caller who's called before and then I don't remember them. I make a real effort to try to remember everybody. Uh, so welcome to Halloween night. Uh, have you got a ghost story for us? I do. It revolves around the property in the house that my grandparents built back in the early 60s. Mm, mm. Well, we are listening to you. You've got our attention. Well, the story would be more recent in within the last... I'll say 10 or so years because the property and house is still in the family. My grandfather passed away in 2004 due to cancer. And my grandmother was living in a nursing home because she had both her legs underneath her knees amputated because of really bad arthritis. So my mm. aunt and uncle, be my grandparents' daughter and her husband bought the property from my grandmother because she couldn't live on the property anymore because of being being wheelchair bound. So my aunt and uncle bought the property and my mom, well, my brothers and I moved in. And this would be maybe six months or so after my grandfather passed away in the home because of cancer, didn't want to I didn't want to obviously pass away in a hospital or anything like that. So we lived there for probably six or so years. I went off to college after a few years, about an hour away, stayed in the town that I graduated from college in. My mom found a job where I was living in, so my brother and mom moved an hour away. So my aunt and uncle still own the property rented it out, which would be about a 16 acres on a one of the major highways in Minnesota. We The property was maybe an hour or so north of Minneapolis-St. Paul, but in the middle of, pretty much middle of nowhere because north of the cities, really wasn't much there. And the town we lived in was kind of in the swamps, in the tree lines, and Bridge middle of nowhere, Minnesota. So mm-hmm. my aunt and uncle, like I said, rented out the property after we moved out to a family, husband, wife, and can't remember how many kids they had, but they were at least in grade school. And I remember remember my mother telling me within probably the last six, seven years when we talked about the property and the tenants after us, and I remember my mom telling me that one day my aunt and uncle got a phone call from those tenants, didn't leave a voice or anything, and my aunt and uncle owned their own, they own their own business besides I was renting out this property, and didn't answer the phone because of their business. I think I believe dealing with a client at the time or whatever, and tried calling the 
new tenants a day or two later and didn't answer. So my aunt and uncle thought, okay, you know, it must not have been a big deal. They'll drive to the property the following day because about a 15-minute drive from where they're staying. So roughly three or four days after, the tenants at the time tried to call in a few times, I guess. So I was told, didn't leave a message. My aunt and uncle drove to their property and they moved out. Didn't leave a note, didn't leave a message, nothing. Just randomly packed their bags and everything and hit the bricks. That's not a good sign. And what my mom and I always, and brothers always talked about was, could it have been my grandfather in his spirit with many of animals that he owned and buried throughout the property could it have been them that showed up randomly, spooked them off the property? Could it have been my crazy neighbor who's been living across the street from us for since, I believe, the early 70s? I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was my grandfather. Just knowing how... How... Just him being very protective of the family, being the father of six girls in the house with a bunch of grandchildren, I just wonder if it may have been my grandfather spooking them out of the house he helped build and passed away in. He ran them off. You know, it, it's very common in haunting stories, ghost stories, that especially if someone, you know, you said he, they built that house. And this is incredibly common when a person builds their own property or even commissions it to be built. Uh, and then they live out their entire lives there. They have their families there. They fill this home with furniture and they make it into their home. It's all they know. And then when they pass away, they're very much attached to their property. That's their home. That's what their spirit knows to be their home. And then they are passed on. They're not exactly of this world anymore. They're now in the other world. And helplessly, they have to watch some stranger just move into their house. You know, Beetlejuice, that movie Beetlejuice is kind of about this. Strangers move in, start redecorating, start moving things around, start doing things not the way the original people did, in this case, your grandma and grandpa, which were probably very good people, and they don't like it. They get very upset. And yes, it is well known that people can be run off the property because those spirits are attached to the property. And if you're not taking care of the place in the way they like, and even before you even get that far, if uh, if they if those spirits just plain old fashioned don't like you, oh yes, they will run you off the property. Uh, they're known to do all kinds of things. I mean, one of the most famous, uh, I guess, instances that can happen in any haunting story of a haunted house is uh, you move into an old house, right? And you start 
doing improvements on the house, maybe you knock out a wall or two uh, to make a room bigger, or you uh, tear off that old porch to put a new porch on, or any number of home improvements like that. And this very commonly will stir up the ghosts. And and people, you know, there's all kinds of stories of uh, construction workers working on these old homes to renovate them. And there's a high turnover rate because something strange will happen and the hired help, the hired construction workers will end up leaving. They'll sometimes even leave their tools behind, just drop everything and leave and tell the foreman, you know what? You handle it. I'm not coming back because I saw something spooky up in the window or something touched me or I was pushed off my ladder or any number of stories. I mean, I remember stories like this going back to when I was a little child reading about stories like this. There are all, I don't know how many movies that involve this particular aspect of hauntings. And it sounds like what you've got on your hands there, Mr. Dirty Dog, is a classic case. A classic case. Uh, the new tenants moved in to the home his grandfather built in the middle of nowhere. And those tenants just bailed in the middle of the night with no explanation, didn't leave a note, nothing just left in the middle of the night. Yeah, that sounds to me like that's exactly what happened. And you know what? I'm a bit of an odd duck, a strange cat, if you will, right? We know that. Um, but that just makes me like your grandfather a whole lot. <laughs> that just makes me like your grandpa. Uh, he sounds like a, a serious guy, even in spirit. One thing I didn't get a chance to talk with Miss Heather about on last year's Hauntings of Nye at the kingdomofnye.com was Grandpa Zavester served in World War II and was stationed in Pearl Harbor when that infamous day occurred. And I, nor my mother, Mother D., ever had the opportunity to talk to Grandpa Sylvester about his service or his over-the-road trucking experience after the fact, being an over-the-road 18-wheeler trucker driver, supporting his wife, Grandma Sylvester, and their six wonderful daughters, which was my mom, Mother D, and her five sisters. But Grandpa Zavester was always a hardworking man, always went out of his way to help other people out, help his friends out, help his family out. Being retired from being in the Navy, being retired from over-the-road trucking, working on tractors, working on whatever other machinery, Drinking a cold one with his friends, family, BSing, having a good time, sharing laughs. So I can see him pulling a rib, pulling a joke, just to try to have a laugh, just to get some giggles out of his family. In this world, in the afterlife, 
So that's one thing I always enjoyed about Grandpa Sylvester. And I definitely enjoyed that conversation with Miss with with Miss Heather. Easy for me to say. I would like to hear your guys' thoughts on that, on my conversation I had with Miss Heather. The conversation I had earlier in the show with Eric and Joe. And now I am super thrilled to have on one of my best friends joining me on this year's Halloween special. The structure of this roof cap is exactly like the kind of telemetry tracker that NASA uses to identify dead pulsars in deep space. Cold riveted girders with cores of pure selenium. Everybody getting this so far? So what? I guess they just don't make them like they used to, huh? No! Nobody ever made them like this. I mean, the architect was either a certified genius or an authentic wacko. Ray, for a moment, pretend that I don't know anything about metallurgy, engineering, or physics, and just tell me what the hell is going on. You never studied. The whole building is a huge superconductive antenna that was designed and built expressly for the purpose of pulling in and concentrating spiritual turbulence. Your girlfriend lives in the corner penthouse of Spook Central. She's not my girlfriend. I find her interesting because she's a client and because she sleeps above her covers. Four feet above her covers. She barks, she drools, she claws. It's not the girl, Peter, it's the building. Something terrible is about to enter our world and this building is obviously the door. The architect's name was Evo Shandor. I found it in Tobin's spirit guide. He was also a doctor, performed a lot of unnecessary surgery. And then in 1920, he started a secret society. Let me guess. Gozer worshippers. Right. No studying. After the First World War, Shandor decided that society was too sick to survive. And he wasn't alone. He had close to a thousand followers when he died. They conducted rituals up on the roof. Bizarre rituals intended to bring about the end of the world. And now it looks like it may actually happen. So be good. For goodness sake. Whoa. Somebody's coming. We have to get out of here. We've got to find a judge or something. Hey, wait a minute. Hey, 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 hey. Hold it. Now, we're actually going to go before a federal judge and say that some moldy Babylonian god is going to drop in on Central Park West and start tearing up the city. Sumerian, not Babylonian. Yeah, big difference. (sighs) No offense, but I got to get my own lawyer. Okay, Ghostbusters. The mayor wants to see you guys. The whole island's going crazy. Let's go. I got to split. The mayor wants to rap with me about some things. And welcome once again to the Halloween special I am joined by the one, the only, the guy that got me into podcasting. My friend, my close personal best friend, Mr. Beverly Hills. Mr. Hills, welcome to this year's Spooky Spectacular. I am so happy that you asked me to be on the Spooktacular um, that. I, you know, we'll talk about I'm not the spookiest guy, 
but I wanted to be on this so bad. I listened to the 2020 Spooktacular on a bus ride going, I don't even know where, I think a really long, like maybe Adrian, Minnesota trip. And I laughed the whole, well, and was spooked the whole way. And uh, I was like, I got to be on this. And I know, I remember I was texting you the whole way about the various ghost stories. Um, and I'm just, I was really happy to be here. That was definitely a highlight for me, getting running play-by-play from you, listening to the podcast. And something that you texted me about, which we've talked about off and on, but I don't think ever on the record, was your tattoo artist being a huge fan of the paranormal. He's a huge fan of the paranormal in general, but especially one specific area. And that would be the area of the dog man. I've spent now probably, you know, eight, no, like counting my wife uh, being with him too, probably like 12 hours with this man. And I would say a good like nine to 10 hours would be spent talking about the dog man. Did I have to ask, did you tell him you do know the dog man? <laughs> No, you know, I'm a lot of times I'm kind of slow on that kind of like kind of jokey thing that like I I wish I would have been like I know a dog and he's part man. <laughs> Just part man. I don't I don't know if I'm going to say you're 100% man. You're mostly dog, I think. So, I guess did your tattoo artist go into showing his favorite dog man? theories or anything like that yes so he feels like he well first he's like on the like dog man like watch he's the like regional dog man watcher for minnesota he feels like he's had interactions with the dog man where he's put um food out for his dogs but then his dogs don't eat it but it's all gone and then i don't know you can since you're the paranormal guy he tells me that the dog man um one of their trademarks is that they'll like leave presents for people i've heard this one i've heard things like that but i've also heard similar stories in in regards to like a bigfoot in regards that okay. if, if if let's say if a family lives in the middle of nowhere yeah and bigfoot things territory. randomly disappear like their fruit or their vegetables or whatnot if they would leave it out like on their front porch usually then the bigfoot becomes peaceful with them okay and then would um would, would at times leave random presents on their doorstep too as I don't know like maybe a dead animal yeah. or yeah. weird things like that yep so that's what yes okay so that's exactly what he said he said that dog man will like bring him like sticks and berries and like a dead squirrel or things like that and put it uh, at around the 
steps of his porch or something when he lived kind of in a more rural type setting. So yeah, he's uh, he's super into the dog man. Did he ever taught you about a Wisconsin version called the Beast of Bray Road? So he he is in contact with the entire United States dog man community. So if this Beast of Bray Road was cited, I am very sure that he has talked to uh, people who have made contact with it because he is uh, he's plugged into the Dogman community, let's just say. What would you do if next time you see him, when you or Mrs. Hills get some more ink done, he would tell you he heard you on that Dogman's 2021 Halloween Spectacular? I'd say let me hook you up with the info so that you can be on the 2022 uh, Spooktacular, because that's what I would want. I want you to speak directly to the source and talk full-on dog, man. I mean, I think that's like a whole, like, episode right there. He loves Bigfoot. He loves dog, man. I like the idea of the dog, man, talking about the dog, man. Yeah, it, it would be a meeting of the dog, man, minds. But one thing I do always enjoy talking with you about, which you mentioned at the start, when you start a rolling, when the tape machine started, was you are more level-headed, more naturally minded, for lack of better words, maybe, about, <laughs> about spiritual things, paranormal things, anything. And that's one thing I always enjoyed about our friendship over the years, that if I get too wacky on caffeine or too goofy for my own good you would either shut your door and tell me that you ain't gonna come out until I cool off or whatever and especially when it comes to like the paranormal things I always enjoy kicking ideas past you or whatever else and you're like you know dog I don't think that might be the case or whatever (laughs) And I guess if somebody would come to you and say, I think I saw a UFO, or I think I saw a Bigfoot, or heard a Bigfoot, what what would you say in return? Well, I first off, I'm not going to doubt anybody's uh, own experiences. If you think you saw a UFO, or if you're convinced of it, rock on. Like, go, go do you. Um, through my different studies of uh, social sciences and whatnot, probably people who experience uh, uh, paranormal encounters, it's likely um, more so due to a want or need of something in their life. So, um, you know, a need for contact or a need for... um, somebody to believe in them and i'd say probably seek out those type of things to help you but if uh, if you think the dog man's bringing you a dead squirrel go for it i i'm not gonna the one of my statements that i live my life by is 
I mean, it's kind of related to food, but it can be related to anything, is that you shouldn't yuck anybody's yum, right? So if you like something and I don't, that's okay. I'm not going to yuck your yum. If you like it, enjoy it, have fun. I support you always. I, was, didn't know, I bet you didn't know the spectacular was going to be so uplifting, huh? I was kind of hoping you were going to use the line of the one cookout TV show we watch, and you were going to say something like, it's a kick to the face. <laughs> um, what else did he say? Stirred <laughs> with love. love. Jim Ross, a kind of sword to my heart through food. Yep, that was yeah, that was Jim Ross on Kitchen Impossible. Then I also asked you that you are, like you said, a studier of the social sciences, mm-hmm. social studies, history. Were there any fun, spooky stories from maybe our forefathers or throughout history that you thought was intriguing? Yes, sir. So, yeah, you invited me on the spectacular, and I thought, I don't have any spookiness. And I told you as such. And you told me what you just said. Like, why don't you delve into some more spooky history? And that's right up my alley. I love telling the more kind of grotesque or weird uh, things. And uh, kids seem to get a kick out of it, and hopefully... Uh, the dog and, and his listeners will as well. So, um, because I think, like, for me, that same idea that draws people to um, more of the paranormal type of stuff can be found in history. That, uh, like, desire for grossness or whatever. You know, history can be just as horrible as uh, fiction. So, my... I think I'll stick with these three. They're all president-related stories of uh, horror, okay? Um, I guess I'll go oldest to newest. Okay. So the first is about 14th president, uh, Franklin Pierce, okay? So Franklin Pierce, um, not one of the most well-known presidents in our time, really, at all. Um, Didn't do a ton, probably... When you view the rankings, probably lower on the list. Do you do you know much about all the Frank? I guess I was only thing I hope for that he was pretty fierce. <laughs> fierce Pierce, maybe his nickname. He was handsome Frank. He's a good-looking guy. That's his. Uh, that's his uh, nickname. And usually in the springtime, when I do review games, one of I don't think I've ever told you this. One of my games that I play is president or pro wrestler and we do either presidential nicknames or a, uh, a wrestler nickname and the one that I put is uh, handsome Frank so anyway one of the story related to Franklin Pierce is that he and his wife and his uh, kids were on a train and uh, so this is prior to his presidency and he is the only president to have watched his son be decapitated in front of him. The train uh, somehow had an accident. I don't know if it was like the kid's head was out the window or something, but just got chopped clean off. And uh, 
that led Pierce down a even worse road of alcoholism than he already was in and uh, led his wife just kind of off the deep end. And uh, yeah, that's one of our more grotesque history stories. That there's, I feel like there's no way anybody could ever get over losing a child, especially via demolition like Axis Mash. <laughs> now, I got one more related to that, and this one does actually cross over into the paranormal realm. Okay, so President Lincoln, which I am sure that everyone who's listening has heard of, Abraham. He had a son who also passed away, sadly, but this one of disease. But hit Willie, Willie is Willie Lincoln. After Willie died, his Lincoln's wife, Mary Todd Lincoln, believed that she could see his ghost. So she locked herself in the east wing of the White House in one of the bedrooms and for the most part did not come out because she um, was communicating with Willie's ghost. So there's your paranormal history connection, at least through the U.S. presidents. Couldn't she just free Willie? Oh, gosh. (laughs) Can you give me, like, some reactions to actual stories instead of just, like... (laughs) Doing I, like puns, like I'm. I feel like I'm talking to a wall or like to a a soundboard. I I always thought it was interesting that people would could t- interact with the ghost. I I guess like you, I'm a little bit skeptical in that regard because I guess I I always had issues. I guess putting the words on the idea of seen a ghost whenever I think of something like that I go back to growing up on watching Ghostbusters 1 and 2 on VHS and for sure. I guess i stuck in the mindset for good or for bad on any interactions with ghosts you have your proton pack and trying to capture it in New York City and the energy is like a big old Twinkie <laughs> And that bust makes you feel good. Exactly. <laughs> sure. So my last um, president-related grotesque story would be the story of James Garfield, who I'm not getting the number right. He's in the 20s, so he's in he's in the 1880s, and he was the victim of an attempted assassination and his uh, assassin shot him in the torso and the bullet lodged in his abdomen. Now at the time, um, doctors had no knowledge of the lethality of having a bullet inside you. Now, chances are he probably could have lived a long life with it just lodged in his abdomen. But his doctors were obsessed with getting that bullet out. So they were digging their unclean hands into the wound. They were sticking stuff in and grinding around, searching for the bullet. They were cutting new wounds in his back to reach in and grab it. And, of course, 
He died of infection. He didn't die even of the gunshot wound. He died of infection from these doctors. And even in the in the days before his death, he wrote to his mother saying, I think I'm feeling well. I think I'm rounding the corner. I think I'm going to be okay. But those dang doctors that uh, were uh, digging around were the ones that did him in. It baffles me just hearing about President Garfield and knowing how far that our technology has came in sciences like that because I cannot bound to imagine sticking my dirty, filthy hand into somebody trying to pull out a bullet. (laughs) And I just can't imagine the pain President Garfield is going through with no Novocaine or anything like that. Right, also true. Just dealing with that. And I guess just knowing me, I I can handle some pain, but something like that, I don't I'm sure I'll probably pass on up. Just I can't oh, yeah. imagine that pain. Yes, very true. I definitely think that would happen for me. And something I always find interesting and you may know more about both this, but I always remember hearing stories of Lewis and Clark's expedition okay. to the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. And encounter. Sure. I, th- I thought there were stories out there about them may or may not be encountering a Bigfoot on their trip across the country. So when they left to make their trip from St. Louis to hopefully the West Coast, they were extremely unaware of what they would come in contact with. They thought there was a good chance that dinosaurs and woolly mammoths still lived in the interior of the United States. And so they were um, extremely ready to encounter anything. Um, Now, in uh, Lewis's journals, which he kept extensive um, journals the whole time, he identified lots of new species of animals, including uh, the prairie dog, amongst others. Now, I don't... Oh, and the buffalo. That's a better one than the prairie dog. What am I talking about? But um, I don't remember anything that was specifically speaking of a, a Bigfoot type figure. But um, he was he was definitely encountering all kinds of new stuff. And if if he saw some type of Sasquatch, I, I I don't know. I wouldn't be too surprised. I guess. But I don't. Not that I know of. I guess I. I guess I, I wish I would have thought of to look look up, see if I could find, you know, set a source and everything. But I just find it fascinating, especially with the evolution of our country, just, you know, being 13 colonies to 50 states and moving across the continent. I always find it fascinating just hearing stories about encountering new species, encountering new land. And just their thought on their what may or may not be a river going from one side of the country to the other and that not being the case, I just always find it fun to hear stories from Lewis and Clark or other other expeditionists like them just going, discovering new land and open to possibilities on what they may or may not encounter. Yeah, I think just the idea of 
exploring or the idea of going in somewhere where no one of your people or your culture have been is just extremely frightening. And, uh, you know, the folks who would do that type of thing, you got to applaud their courage. And just to tie it more to your spooky side, it, it's almost as if, you know, you're in one of those movies like um, The Frighteners or Close Encounters or something like that, where you are going into a new realm and you don't know what you're going to encounter. Because one thing I always enjoy listening to, hearing about, reading about is English settlers or anybody from Europe coming over to North America, sure. discovering, the, discovering the new land and trying to start a new colony and some going back to Europe to bring some more supplies or meet more people and just hearing about their interactions with Native Americans yep. and just yeah, just learning a new land, learning learning what it's like with the different seasons and liking and I just I always find that again, I find that fascinating because I couldn't imagine living in a boat for months going to a new land and not really knowing exactly where you're going to land on the coast. I would entirely agree with you. Um, total, totally. I think it's, um, yeah, I, I don't know the, the courage behind that, or I guess like hopefulness might be the word too. And it, it, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Now what I've been looking up, uh, Lewis and Clark, stuff and what i have found is that there's a comic book it looks like called manifest destiny which i think your listeners and especially if you're interested in what we've been talking about might find interesting in that it it is starts with the lewis and clark tale um but then has them encountering monsters and other such so it's from 2013. It's by uh, Image Comics. I don't have the... Chris Dingus <laughs> is the writer. And, um, yeah, sounds kind of interesting. That might be what I got, I guess, confused with no, the I, story. No, I heard the Bigfoot thing, too. I, I have, too, before I heard of this uh, fiction thing. So, no, that's yeah. not new. I've definitely heard that before. And you kind of tied into local... Minnesota folklore. The college we went to, one of the halls, Shoemaker Hall, I've always heard was spooky because of a student hating themselves because I assume bullying. And yeah, do you, I guess what do you have what other things have you heard from that campus that might be a little bit spooky? So I had heard of that one because I worked in campus housing. So uh, I heard of that. And people who worked in, in Shoemaker Hall said that they had had experiences with uh, that because, uh, you know, we had to do late night rounds and whatnot. And there were people who said that they had come into contact with some type of ghost. Um the other one would be that there are tunnels connecting a lot of the buildings. Um, 
they're no longer in use, but I've heard that those tunnels, uh, a lot of people have had weird experiences, uh, uh, possibly paranormal down there. So, yeah, there's all there's a few different things that people talk about. What is one of the goofiest, fun, funnest things you've, you've encountered working in campus housing? Um, you know, one time I was I was doing rounds and I, uh, you know, could hear something weird coming out of a, a room. So I just, like, kind of looked in and I found this, just, like, this weird kid, you know, and he's got, he's got glasses and he's a little, little hairy and uh, he's got a little TV shoved up into his... Uh, his closet and uh on that tv's monday night raw that might have been the weirdest um weirdest experience i ever had uh working campus housing but man you know Hopefully, that kid you ever heard of that kid i think i do and i'm hoping you told that dude to hashtag sauce it <laughs> now of course dear listener i am talking about the night that i met and the lifelong friendship began with the Dirty Dog Darcy. I always enjoy times we got together watching wrestling, talking wrestling, and I am curious if you remember the weekend we hung out in 2012, I believe it was, when the world was supposed to end and... We that was the day that Macho Man Randy Savage passed away, and we were dancing on my porch with pizza in our hands, (laughs) offering up to the wrestling gods above the sacrifice of Macho Man Randy Savage for the world not ending. (laughs) Of course, I yeah yeah because it was one of those days where um. In you know 2012 being the apocalypse day, um, yeah, the world was supposed to end, and we were yes staving it off by dancing and uh, thinking about the the Macho Man. I would like to get your thoughts on just those end of the world prophecies and end of the world dates, like I think December 21st of 2012, or that May date. Um, can't think of I think also in 2012 or in that area because I always I guess kind of chuckle at because I remember like for us the end of the world was going to happen when it struck midnight for January 1st the year 2000 yeah because the computers because the computers weren't programmed for year 2000 so we're going to go back to 1900 and technology is going to turn off and we can't figure out how to undo that and <laughs> just the end of the world with like I said my calendar December 21st 2012 what are your thoughts on those different conspiracies of the end of the world I mean they always interest me um, I'm always willing to listen to them I find that interesting now the thing with Y2K is I remember yeah, being afraid that it was going to cause everything to die. But, like, the funny thing that I always remember is that the, like, you know how most uh, TV or most, um 
little towns have like TV stations yes. that uh, you know broadcast the announcements or whatever for the for the city. The town where I grew up, it did say 1900. <laughs> that, that's hilarious. So it, it did happen in at least one community. Um, it did indeed say January of 1900. Um, however, it did not cause the entire uh, computer system to fail. So, you know, half of it came true. And I do also want to get your thoughts on people using the Bible to try to find a code like every fifth letter or every fifth line or whatever and trying to connect random dots that don't go together for end-of-the-world prophecy because one thing that we also shared in our college days was was we talked about theology and talked about Jesus and everything. I don't want to make this a religious portion of the podcast or anything, but one thing, yeah, I always enjoyed those conversations with you and would like to hear your thoughts on that because I find them to be wacky and I feel like they give people of the Christian faith a bad name because they seem a little wacky per se. Well, I'd say just in general, like that might, that's probably the thing that I don't like the most about conspiracy theories is when, um, folks create something to justify a belief that they already have, I guess. And that could be the Bible or that could be anything where you're like, well, if you, if you use the fifth word and then the third word and well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can create anything if you want to make the message that you're searching for. And, you know, people have done that in the Bible. People do that with the Constitution. People do it with the dollar bill. You know, everything to justify beliefs that they already have. And I guess, like, it's fine to have those beliefs, but I don't know if I really like when um, folks will use other things and kind of do their own, like you said, dot connecting. Um, Because sometimes those dots just get to be a little too far apart from each other for my liking. Totally. And right. Yeah. Just you like I said, that kind of stuff always kind of runs me off the wrong, wrong way too, and not to, not to just blame or say it's only in the Christian faith, oh, Christian yeah, conspiracies, I guess. Yeah, but I just, yeah. And I guess one last thing i like to discuss with you is off and on we always talk about our former governor jesse ventura <laughs> and you meet you meet him in middle school and oh yes and talk Super about his political hand. career as mayor of mm-hmm. brooklyn park to governor of minnesota and his off and on talks on running for president which never happened and <laughs> him hosting different podcast videos shows tv shows youtube shows about conspiracy theories and what was him. that show what was the show called that like one that was on major cable was that called like in search of or what was that one called i thought jesse ventura's conspiracy theories okay no that sounds right i, j- I couldn't remember it i was just i guess it. i would like to get your thoughts on governor ventura one can say going off in the deep end on conspiracy theories 
because I always I have a soft spot in my heart for Governor Ventura. If anybody's heard any wrestling podcasts I've done, they know I love to try to try to impersonate Governor Ventura and go to Tijuana, Mexico for tacos or whatever else. I guess I just want to get your thoughts on Governor Ventura and his quest with conspiracy theories. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely a wacky guy, and he's got a lot of uh, interesting beliefs. Now, like, I guess, I, you know, I may have contradicted myself over the course of this talk, but, like, the one thing that I'm, I'm cool with people, like, researching the conspiracy theories and, like, looking at their origins and where they come from, I think that's interesting. And, uh, you know, as long as... Uh, Oh, I don't know. You know, if you want to believe it, you want to believe it. Rock on. But like, just looking looking at them and doing your research on them and doing it with a more um, kind of like objective view, I think that's cool. And I think if you know Jesse Ventura, really anybody wants to do that, knock yourself out. Have fun doing it. Yeah, because I. That's one thing I always enjoy about hearing different people talk about cons- whatever conspiracy end times like we discussed or yeah. JFK assassination or whatever else I find it more fun to hear I guess their side of the story, their conspiracy sure. and how they would back it with logic or whatever else and just like you said just w- how that theory started and was birthed and evolved to whatever else and that stuff I just find it more fun because just trying to keep an open mind on whatever I find it fun just to again I guess see where things started and I guess the history side of the conspiracy theories yeah I completely agree with that and I yeah I invite you know to watch or listen the the facts that people use as justification. That part is cool. Like I've, I watched a little bit of different shows that like that Brad Meltzer, not related to Dave Meltzer. Um, at least I don't think so. (laughs) Has had on the history channel, um, looking at, at different conspiracy theories and stuff. I find it interesting. So, yeah. To close out our time together here on this year's Spooky Spectacular, do you have any words of advice, good or bad or spooky, it doesn't matter, for the listeners of the 2021 Spooktacular podcast? Yeah, for sure. Whether it's spooky or not spooky, you know, follow follow your passion and give it 100% and you will be happy with your, uh, your path, whether it leads to your desired outcome or not, you put your all into it and you'll be happy over and out. Thank you, Mr. Beverly Hills for your time, love and tenderness as well. Joining me in this year's Halloween special, the 2021 Halloween special. Ah, ah, ah. But before we call it a night here for the 2021 Halloween special 
I do have a little bit of audio from the 1994 Ghost to Ghost AM with the legendary Art Bell. And here is a little bit of call, a little bit of feedback, callback, playback from that night. 1994 Ghost to Ghost AM with Art Bell. Yo, monkeys, play that clip. Good morning. Welcome to Ghost to Ghost AM. It is the annual Halloween show, and we are telling ghost stories. It is Halloween weekend. Indeed, it is the weekend, so settle in, light a candle, dim the lights, if you dare. Art, this story is supposed to be a true one. Dick and Clyde had been friends since August of 1918, nearly 15 years. During their friendship, they had done some pretty remarkable things. However, none can compare with the prank they pulled on their girlfriends, Betty Lou and Mildred, on October 31st, 1933. October 24th, 1933, Betty Lou and Mildred were excited about the barn dance and hayride they were about to go on on Halloween night. The girls just couldn't conjure up a prank to pull on Clyde and Dick that could measure up to the boys hanging a dressmaker's doll on Window Johnson's old dead tree in her front yard. Whatever that prank would be, it would have to be very good. During lunch, the boys propositioned them with a dare. The agreement was for the girls each to drive a stake into a grave at midnight on Halloween night. And the boys would pay them $10. The girls agreed, think, thinking they could come back with some gruesome horror stories to scare the boys out of their wits. October 31st, 1933, 8 o'clock at night. The foursome was having a great time at the dance. The boys kept asking the girls if they're sure they wanted to go through with the agreement. The girls were positive. During the hayride... The group leader was telling a story about a jealous husband's outrage uh, with regard to his wife after finding her with a lover. During his panic, he murdered her, chopped her into small parts, and tried to dispose of her body. All the remains found were her two arms, now buried in Grace Lawn Cemetery. Grace Lawn Cemetery? The graveyard the girls were about to be at this very night. Mildred was in a frenzy. How was she going to handle this? Why did she let them talk her into it? Mildred came back to her senses. The hayride comes to an end. She could hear Betty Lou and the boys planning out the evening. They all were to meet at the general store at 1 a.m. after the graveyard incident. The time finally came. Mildred and Betty Lou found themselves at the graveyard. Betty Lou was to pound her stake into grave number 12 and Mildred into number 56. They decided to just meet at the back of the store. Betty Lou pounded her stake as directed and gave a signaling whistle to Mildred. Betty Lou was finished. She headed back. Mildred pounded her stake and got up to leave. Something was tugging her skirt. She screamed for help and nobody came. She tried harder to get away, but it was useless. At 1 a.m., Betty Lou and the boys were worried about Mildred. Why hadn't she shown up? Had she been hurt? They decided to go back to the graveyard, but it was the dead of night and too dark to see a thing. They came to the conclusion that she was tired and went home. November 1st, 1933, the Jonesboro Morning Bee read, 
girl found dead in Grace Lawn Cemetery with stake through her dress. That's from Ron in Seattle. Thank you, monkeys, for playing that audio. And one thing I enjoyed about that clip, that story that Art discussed, was I can see that happening to anybody, any group of friends wanting to go out, share a scare on Halloween in a graveyard for giggles and laughs, just for something to do on Halloween's night. And stories like that just gives me shivers, gives me goosebumps, gives me scared out of my skin because stories like that, situations like that, are things that I never want to hear about that my cousins, my niece, their friends, my coworkers, my family, my friends, anybody, I don't ever want that to happen to them, stories like such. And I wanted to share that because of my love of Art Bell, my love of Halloween specials, and just my love of storytelling like that, which is why I always enjoyed the legendary great Art Bell, why I always wanted to do Halloween specials and play some clips of him to help share the love that was Art Bell. As I mentioned when I had Mr. Beverly Hills on, he was the one that got me into listening to podcasts, wrestling podcasts, and in turn helped birth my love of podcasting. And it was a joy to have him on to discuss spooky themes for this year's Halloween special. In turn, it helped share my love of this genre of talk radio, of spooky matters known as Halloween. I hope you guys enjoyed this clip, this hour and 45 plus minute spooktacular that I put on. Please support whenhewascool.com because Carl Stern and his wonderful wife Tanya have been nothing but gracious, nothing but great to me and the other fellow podcasters there. And at whenhewascool.com supports the wrestling podcast I do on a regular weekly Wrestling with the Dog podcast at flitterflop.com. Please consider supporting whenhewascool.com and always check out the other podcasters. Check out the articles. But more importantly, please consider supporting whenhewascool.com on Patreon. Patreon.com slash WIWcool. Or just search out when it was cool on Patreon or go to whenitwascool.com, click on any of those Patreon banners, daddies, and daddyettes. And please support whenitwascool.com through the pay window. Talk about Patreon. Please consider supporting my wrestling podcast ventures and other audio extravaganzas at patreon.com slash dirty dog mes that's dog as d-a-w-g patreon.com slash d-i-r-t-y d-a-w-g m-e-s because you can get such clips as my conversation with Joe and Eric 
week or two early before this drops for free or my conversation with Mr. Beverly Hills on Patreon before it goes out for free and you can get an extended cut of the 2021 Halloween special exclusive to patreon.com slash dirty dog mes and patreon.com slash w-i-w cool so please support the platform that supports my wrestling podcast week in and week out for over 250 episodes 250 weeks or please support the dirty dog darcy in his wrestling podcast extravaganzas easy for me to say Thank you guys for giving me your ears for all this time. Pushing 150 minutes. Thank you for your love of Halloween. Thank you for being you. Stay safe this next year. Be good to one another. Love each other. Because that's what we should do as a community, as friends, as family. Love one another. Love each other. Love yourself. Thank you for your time, love, and tenderness. Thank you for your ears. And stay spooky. <laughs> Black Sabbath? Not really? Anyone? You want a little bit? Generals gathered in their masses. Just like witches at Black Masses. Evil minds and plot destruction Sorcerers of death's construction In the fields the body's burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds this has been a Darcy production. Yo, Darcy, good looking out, money.